0: And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles and open to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we are continuing our sermon series we've entitled Happily Ever After. If you're new with us this morning, whether at home or overflow or live, if if this is your first time or you've only been coming a couple of weeks, welcome. Uh, Glad you're with us. We've been working through different passages of Scripture over the last many weeks to strengthen marriages. Right, we all have seen the numbers. We all understand the statistics. We know that marriages in uh, America, especially, are struggling. Marriages even within the church, oftentimes, are struggling. And we, as a team, wanted to here at church do everything we can do to help you to help you understand that there is absolute hope. No matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter what struggle you may be walking through now, there is hope. Uh, We hope that this sermon series helps you. We hope you are encouraged because we know that marriage uh, can be good, but we know that it requires work. And so we've kind of set up a process for you through this sermon series. It's a very practical series. And this this morning you're going to see is filled with a lot of practical stuff. But we've given you kind of four levels that you can take Uh, to strengthen your marriage. Level number one is very simply the sermon series. You come listen to the sermon. You kind of do with that as you please. I hope the things we teach on Sunday morning will be helpful for you. Level two is homework. Every week I sign homework. I'm not gonna check it. I'm not gonna ask if you did it. It's just an opportunity for you to go and do a little bit more. I'll encourage you to do that every week. Level three, an online marriage assessment. You say we need a little more help. Uh, We'd like to sit down with a staff member and talk through our marriage. You go to our website, rosemontchurch.org. Click on the online assessment. Somebody will contact you, give you information. Several couples have already done this. We're working through this with them, very helpful for them. Level four is in-depth marriage counseling, right? So you say, we need more than that. We have a professional counselor we'd love you to make contact with. We'd love to help plug you into that person if you need some more help. Now, today, we're going to talk about communication, Now, communication is really important because we need to be able to hear each other and understand what we're saying. You need to be able to hear what I'm saying. I need to be able to hear what you're saying. There needs to be proper communication as I'm talking and you're listening because if you can't hear what I'm saying properly, communication is very difficult and you don't understand what I'm talking about. Did you get that, by the way? I hope so because that was the best part of the sermon. I worked all week on that one. I hope you heard that. So we wanted to do something as a little bit of an illustration, kind of a silly illustration, but to make the point that I can be talking a bunch and you can be trying to listen and we may not still understand what the other person's saying, right? We, we see this in marriages a lot. People are passionate, they want to share their thoughts, they want to share their opinions. The other person may even be willing to listen, but they're talking right right past each other because they don't understand some very simple principles of communication. So we want to talk this morning about communication because if you're not communicating well within your marriage, you're going to struggle. Now, I've got some statistics and some things I want you to hear and know before we kind of delve into the text to kind of paint this picture for you. I I looked up and did some research this week, top three causes of divorce in America— infidelity, problems with finances, lack of communication. Number three, right at the top of the list, one writer said this, communication is critical in marriage and not being able to communicate effectively quickly leads to resentment and frustration for both, impacting all aspects of a marriage. One study says that 96% of all problems in a marriage ultimately go back to problems in the area of communication. Another writer said this: Good communication is the foundation of a strong marriage. When two people are sharing a life together, they must be able to talk about what they need and be able to understand and try to meet the needs of their partner. Right? We we need to communicate. And if we're not communicating well we're going to have problems. And so in in order to better understand communication and really apply this to our lives, we're going to take a look in James chapter one. James chapter one is going to give us a, a very short but profound explanation of communication. Again, I'll say this about this text. It's not written specifically to married couples, but it certainly and absolutely should be applied in marriage. James chapter one, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person, now just make a mental note here, right? This is not just talking to your spouse, okay? So you don't get to nudge your husband or your wife as if I'm only talking to them because James says he's speaking to every person here. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, Verse 24, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's a good reminder next time you get mad at your spouse. Next time you want to spout off and say something or make a comment or be angry or your tone change. Verse 20 says, anger does not produce righteousness. You need to remember that. Verse 21, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now we're going to draw some truth out of these few verses. We're going to figure out how we can apply them to marriage. Truth number 1. Listen more than you speak. Man, what a simple, profound, yet very difficult thing to live out in our lives. Listen more than you speak. By the way, this can be applied to lots of different areas of our lives. Work school, with our children, but especially within our marriages. And let me define communication for you just in case you're kind of unclear what we're talking about. Communication is sending and receiving accurate messages. Communication is effective talking and active listening. One writer said this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they are almost indistinguishable. Listen, to say something you value deeply to another and to have him or her value it equally by listening to it carefully is the most universal way of exchanging social interest or demonstrating affection. Gary Collins, who's a well-known Christian author and counselor, said this. He said, it's well known that many marriage difficulties relate to a breakdown in husband-wife communication. The same is true of other problems. People are unable or unwilling to communicate. Husbands and wives must learn to communicate feelings, thoughts, attitudes accurately and effectively. Such communication involves the expression of oneself and the ability to accurately receive messages from others. Right? We, we understand the significance. We understand the importance of communication. Why is it so hard for people? Well, James weighs in a little bit. I want you to see what he says, and we're going to go through some very specific, very practical things you can do within communication to help you in your marriage. James says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. So let's kind of put that first screen up, some things to think about when we're talking about communication. Kind of three areas that we need to be aware of that sometimes we miss. Timing, location, and distractions. When you have a conversation with your spouse, you need to take these three things into consideration. The timing of the conversation matters, right? There's a good time to have discussions, and sometimes there are bad times. Sometimes when we're tired or it's been a long day or maybe in a bad mood, that's not the time to have discussions. I can remember very specifically in our marriage and even now with our children, sometimes we'll be in kind of this moment where we need to talk about something or we need to talk about it with our kids or there's this discussion we need to have and one of us will say to the other, listen, it's just not a good time. Like I'm exhausted, it's late, I had a really long day, or this happened, or I'm not in the greatest of mood. We, we just need to set this aside. We're going to talk about it. It does matter, but the timing is crucial for us. When are we going to do this, right? Location matters. Where are you going to have the conversation? Can you do it in private? Is there a place where the two of you can be comfortable? Distractions matter. What are you doing to minimize Distractions. Like if you have young children in the house and I've got four kids and, and they're, they're kind of getting a little bit older now, so this is a little bit easier for us, but there was a time when they were younger where there was always a distraction. There's always something going on. Maybe you need to put the kids in bed or maybe this requires a date night or maybe you need to take a weekend, right? Just the two of you get a babysitter, send them to grandparents' house because you need to spend some real time talking, timing, location, distractions. All those matter. Go Go to the next slide. These are some very practical things that will help you in communication. Right? I want you to understand as we think through communication and as we understand this idea of, of listening more and being slow to speak for the good of our marriage, there are some very practical things we can put into place to help us with communication. The first one is be intentional. Now, I put this up related to communication, but this goes for every aspect of your marriage. Okay, Whether you've been married 50 years or, or been married just a, a few days, you need to understand you're not just going to randomly wake up one day and your marriage be great. It doesn't happen like that. It right? doesn't happen by osmosis or some other fancy magical potion. doesn't happen like that. It requires work and it requires intentionality. You need to be intentional in your marriage. You need to be intentional in your communication. Right? We need to sit down and talk about this. We need to set aside a time. We need to be intentional in the way that we talk. Here's the simple one that sometimes we miss. Make eye contact. I've, I've been reading and watching a, a lot of marriage counselors and a lot of uh, uh, interesting videos. And I've seen a lot of stats over the last few weeks related to marriage. And I found one guy up in the Pacific Northwest that built uh, years ago kind of this apartment building. Well, not a building, just an apartment And he would invite these couples that he was helping to come and stay in this apartment for a weekend. And he had cameras, and they knew going into it they were going to be videoed. It wasn't secretive. They knew they were going to go in and for a 24-hour period be videoed. And what he really wanted to see was the way they interacted with each other. And one of the most interesting things he said was one of the problems they see in marriage is what he called stonewalling when one of the two people doesn't want to make eye contact with their partner. And so they, they look away or they fold their arms or they're kind of off in space or they're focused on something else. He said that, that had really profound effects because he tracked these people for years after that. It wasn't just a one-time deal. He would do this, take all the data, and then track them for the next 20 years. And this guy could predict divorce uh, with a high rate of efficiency because he watched these couples and he knew what to look for. And this idea of making eye, eye contact mattered, right? It just tells the other person, I care enough about you to listen to what you're saying, I care enough about you to set aside all this other stuff and put my phone down, turn it off, turn the TV off, set the paper down, whatever. I'm going to look at you as you're talking to me. We're going to make eye contact. Number three, don't interrupt. Right? It's hard when we get frustrated because this person says something we don't agree with, or their facts are a little bit off so we think, or they're not characterizing us the way we'd like them to. And so we just decide we're going to stop them right there. I just have to stop you right there and say, that's not how we need to do it, Okay? We, we need to listen. That's why James says, listen more than you speak. Right? We, we were taught when we were kids, we have two ears and one mouth. Remember, that's kind of a silly thing to say, but that's so we can listen more than we talk. We don't need to interrupt. Let your spouse explain what he or she thinks. Don't bring up past mistakes. This is a hard one, isn't it? Well, you remember three years ago when you did. No, 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 no. it's not about that. We don't need to dig up the past and be mad. There may be a time for that discussion, but it's not now. How about the next one? Say, I'm sorry. Man, that's difficult, isn't it? Say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I should have said that. I'm sorry. I didn't really mean it like that. Will you forgive me? Right? And, and sometimes you need, to, you need to have a conversation sometimes with your spouse about what forgiveness looks like. Because a lot of people don't fully understand. That's a hard thing for people. Saying, I'm sorry, ask questions. I had a conversation with a man several years ago. He was struggling in his marriage. And he said, listen, I just don't quite know how to have a conversation with my wife. He said, I love her. It's not bad. It's not that I don't want to. I'm just not quite sure when we sit down what that ought to look like, right? So we had a long conversation about what he can do and some very practical things. And one of the things I helped him understand that he didn't quite get was that one of the ways you can be involved with a person and interact with him is to ask them questions. So if you're struggling with communication, practice asking questions, okay? And one of the ways you can really get good at this is asking open-ended questions, There are some really simple questions that require very simple answers, right? So you could say things like this. What time is the soccer game tomorrow? It's at 6 p.m. Well, you ask the question, but that's not exactly what we're, that kind of information matters, but can we go deeper than that? Maybe you say something like, what what time do we have to pick the kids up tomorrow? Or are we having dinner tonight? What are we having for dinner tonight? Those kind of questions matter, but they're not open-ended questions. Open-ended questions are questions that require more than a simple, more than a yes, no type answer, right? Tell me about your day. That's a good question, right? How was your day? Now, that that doesn't give a yes or no answer. There's not a quick response to that. Now, we've got to have a conversation about what your day was like. Then you can begin to ask more questions about that and kind of continue to go. Uh, You can go even deeper in some of these conversations. How do you feel about your job, right? How's your boss been treating you? How are the students today at school? You can have the same kind of conversation with your kids. Tell me about your day at school. What did you learn? Like, my my kids are not in here now, so I can say these kind of things. I can give all kind of good illustrations at 11 because they're in the 930 service, right? If I ask more than four questions on the way home from school, I'm just-I can't I cannot believe I can ask them that many questions. Y'all have that with your kids? You ever ask them two or three questions and they think that's just enough? Like you've reached your limit for the day of question asking to your children. I get that. But we need to ask these open-ended questions, right? Why? Because we want to get involved in their life. We want to know what they're thinking. We, we, we gotta to begin to understand in communication. It's got to be more than simple, short, yes, no. There's a place for that, yes. But if we're really gonna Connect with our spouse. If we're really gonna deepen our marriage, we need to go deeper in our conversations. Now, Gary Smalley has written and spoken a good bit about this. In fact, he talks about levels of communication, and it was so good that I'm gonna borrow it from him, right? So I'm gonna give him credit for it, but I'm gonna use it. Let's put it up on the screen. He talks about six different levels of communication right? Six ways in which we communicate with other people, especially with our spouse. Level one is just small talk. We get small talk. We understand what that means. We make small talk all the time. Level two, sharing facts, right? What time we have to pick up the kids? What's for dinner? Are you off work next week? We kind of know how that goes. Just sharing facts, Number three is opinions. How do you feel about certain things? There's a lot of different things we can say about this, friends, politics, plans for the weekend. But when we get below level three, things begin to change. Right? Level four is feelings. How do you feel about something? Right? We're beyond a little more of the simple yes, no. We're into more open-ended kind of discussion. What is your desire? What are your needs? What are your beliefs? And and Gary Smalley argues that the vast majority of conversations in a marriage marriage, uh, with couples kind of lives in the first three levels. Like the vast majority of our conversations are either small talk, sharing facts, or opinions. And he says, listen, if you live your life in the first three levels, you're never really getting to the heart of who your spouse is. Now, you can live a whole life just the first three levels if you wanted to. But you're going to miss that deep intimate, personal connection. And so he says what you have to do as a married couple is you've got to work into getting into these different levels. You've got to be intentional about getting in these different levels. How do you feel about certain things? Like, think about this. If you sit down with your spouse and you say, what's for dinner? That's one sort of a conversation. If you sit down with your spouse and you say, hey, what are your, what are your dreams for the next 10 years? Man, that's a big question, isn't it? You need to set some time aside to have that conversation, but it's a good one to have Because you and your spouse need to be on the same page, right? What's your hope for the next ten years? How about asking this question: What are your dreams for our children? Let's spend an hour one day just talking about our dreams for our kids. Right? What are your hopes for our for our children? What are some of your fears? What are the things that keep you up at night? Why are we doing this, right? Because we're understanding our spouse. We're trying to get to deeper levels of communication. We're trying to understand that there's more than just surface level, superficial, yes, no, what time we picking up the kids. There's a deeper heart issue here we need to be concerned with. And if you really want to grow your marriage, if you really want to strengthen your marriage, you've got to get to these heart level issues so you can understand each other and work together to make these things happen. Far too many couples live in the first three levels, right? So we need to be willing, intentional. We're listening more than we're speaking. Let's go back to James now, verse verse 19 again of chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Verse 24, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here's the second truth. Right, We're going to listen more. We're going to be intentional about our communication. We're going to apply some very practical things to our marriage. Truth number two as we communicate, we're going to do the best we can to be calm and understanding. Right? As we communicate with our spouse, we want to be calm and understanding. I want you to notice what James says again there in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, right? I said that a few minutes ago. That's you and your spouse. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? This is difficult for us. Because when we get into these deep discussions sometimes, when we get into things that really matter, when we get into issues that we're struggling with, we're oftentimes very passionate about those things. And when we're passionate about things, sometimes our emotions bubble up. If we're not careful when our spouse says something we don't like, we get angry, don't we? Our tone changes. We say things maybe we shouldn't say. So we've got to be actively aware of that in these discussions. We got to be actively aware of this in these moments. We need to understand that we should, in our conversation, especially with our spouse, be slow to anger. Okay? So, some practical things go to the next slide. There are four very practical things I want you to see as we think through communication. The first one simply stated don't be angry. All right, let, me, let me just say this as a side note, and I, I think I'm speaking to men more than women, but not always the case. Guys, when you're frustrated with your wife, not okay to yell at her. It's just not. Maybe you've never heard that or are unaware of that, but there's really no moment where you should yell at your wife in anger. And if you're struggling with that, you need to work on it because your tone matters. Right. One, one writer said this, he was a counselor and kind of talking through uh, what happens when people get angry. He said, it may feel good to unleash your tension on your spouse when they upset you, but the sense of satisfaction is often short-lived. Whatever you say in your angry state is likely to add fuel to the fire. Yelling unleashes lots of strong negative emotion no matter what you are trying to communicate at that point, the emotion is going to take center stage. That's what captures the listener's attention most. Unfortunately, your spoken message will be diminished or even misunderstood because you set up your partner to be defensive and frustrated rather than responsive and understanding. All right, we we need to understand in these conversations, don't be angry. Next, don't call each other names, right? That's kind of self-explanatory, but sometimes people struggle with that. You just need to hear, that's not okay. Don't make absolute statements. You ever done that when you're angry and you say something like, well, you never do this, or you always do that. Those things are not typically helpful, by the way. May feel good. You may think, yeah, yeah, how do you think about that, right? It may feel good at the moment. It doesn't really help your relationship with your spouse. Instead, the last thing, we need to communicate affection and respect, right? So throw out the anger, throw out the meanness, throw out the bad names, throw out bringing up the past, and instead let's communicate with affection and respect. Things like, thank you. I'm proud of you. I admire you. I respect you. I love you. Thank you for being such a good dad. Thank you for being such a good mom, right? We need to be affirmative. We need to show respect. And as we're talking to our spouse, we need to notice body language because that matters, doesn't it? Words are important. Body language is important, right? Facial expressions, tears, tone of voice, All of those things matter, right? We want to kind of have this conversation uh, as we're talking to our spouse, getting into the deeper levels of life, levels four, five, and six, as he says. We showed on the screen. And as we do that, we want to be affectionate, show respect, listen, be calm, be understanding. Okay? Now back to the text as we kind of wind this thing down. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person, that's everybody, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Therefore, right, because of what James has said here, therefore put away, do away with all the filthiness, the rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Right, truth number three, put away sin and fill your life with God's word. You want your marriage uh, to get better? You want your marriage to be strengthened? Uh, You want your marriage to bring glory to the Lord? Then put away sin and instead fill your life with God's word. Right? Sin destroys. You need to understand that. Sin destroys. Destroys. It destroys people. It destroys marriages. It destroys families. Sin like pride, greed, selfishness, idolatry, adultery, on and on the list goes. We need to guard against and actively fight against sin in our life. That's not an easy thing to say. It's certainly not an easy thing to do, but through the power of the Spirit, we can do that. And James says, listen, when you do these things, if you'll take what I'm teaching you and receive these things through the Word of God, your lives will be changed. Now, the Bible talks about the power of our words. For example, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's amazing, isn't it? Ephesians 4:29 says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Right? We, uh, we understand the danger of being angry. We understand the danger of speaking things we shouldn't speak. We understand the, the danger of having these kind of uh, difficult arguments where we're fighting and angry. Paul, uh, James says, listen, you need to put those things away and instead receive with meekness the implanted word. Now what he's talking about here is the word of God. It's talking about the Bible. And you've probably heard this text before, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It means it's good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, I just wonder how much God's Word is impacting our marriages, Right? It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to come in here and hear it. It's easy even within your heart to agree with what you're seeing, what I'm teaching. But how often are we now going home, taking this truth, figuring out how to apply it to our lives? How often are we personally studying God's Word? How often, up, how often are we bringing up God's Word in our house to our, to our wife or to our husband, to our children? How many times are we reading Scripture in the home? How often do our kids hear us reading God's Word? How often are we making decisions, even if unpopular and not easy, based on the truth of God's Word, not based on what the world says? We've got this clear teaching and this clear challenge to put away all the junk and all the sin and instead receive with meekness the implanted Word of God, as James says, which is able to save your souls, right? That's the most important truth of marriage. Did you know that? like putting Christ at the center of your home, understanding salvation, trusting in Christ with your life, that matters in the home more than anything else. And so I'm going to give you some homework now. I'm going to give you some very practical things you can do to work. We've talked a lot about communication. I've given some very practical things you can do. I want you to think about this homework. Go ahead and pull that up if you would. I want you to have our conversation In level four, five, six, bring that list back up one more time so we can be reminded. We're going to use small talk and sharing facts and opinions all the time. That's normal. That's the bulk of our conversation. But I want you this week to be intentional, right, about timing, about location, about distractions. Be intentional about those things. Sit down and have a conversation about feelings, desires, beliefs. Now, this could go a thousand different ways. This is between you and your spouse, right? I don't have any specific guidance about exactly what the conversation ought to be, but you ought to have a conversation more than just the small talk and the sharing facts that you have on a regular basis. Let's delve a little bit more into our lives this week, a little more deeply in our understanding of one another. Have a conversation in those areas, right? God has given us marriage. It's a beautiful thing. It's a blessing. It's a joy. It can be hopeful. We need to listen more than we speak, be calm and understanding, put away sin and fill our life with the word of God. And when you do those things, if you'll trust Christ, you can live within your marriage happily ever after.